Jesus Pindado is one of those very smart people that you want to have around. He moved to the States from Spain when he was a teenager and made it, made it to one of the best schools in the nation in aerospace engineering. From there he has done a ton of things. He's been involved in many businesses. He has founded his own company in the fintech industry. He's done some angel investing. But now he's fully devoted to his role as VP of Engineering at MC10. MC10 is a company that is developing a, a wearable sensing technology for the healthcare industry. Jesus is very, very insightful and I hope you enjoy this conversation. And as always, I want to thank our sponsor, Noldeman. Noldeman is the wrinkle-free four-way stretch shirt for men. They are super comfortable, they require no ironing, and they are super convenient, especially when you travel. Although me, those are the only ones I use now. So a big shout out to all the people at Noldeman and check them out because I think it's worth it. And now I leave you with my conversation with Jesus Pindado. This is from my friend, I'm Jesus Sierra Crespo. Today our guest is Jesus Pindado. Jesus is the Vice President of Engineering at MC10. MC10 is a Boston-based company that has developed a sensing technology, a visionary sensing technology that aims to advance healthcare far beyond where it is today. Is that correct, Jesus? That is right. Roughly. Yes. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks Thank for taking the time. Thank you for having me. So, Jesus, we can maybe delve into the details later, but just give me the elevator pitch. What is this technology all about? Sure. So um, MC10 has developed uh, groundbreaking uh, bioelectronic sensors that uh, are comfortable, designed to be worn on the human body, anywhere on the human body, mm -hmm. to store, uh, collect, collect, store, uh, transmit uh, information about our uh, physiology. This is medical-grade information about our physiology, and we transfer that information to a state-of-the-art uh, cloud Okay. infrastructure where we analyze the data and produce insights that are relevant for uh, healthcare purposes. Okay. And who is using this technology already? Like who are the early adopters of this? So there's a lot of different applications to the technology and it's okay. still early days. Uh, t t today we uh, see adoption uh, in three separate uh verticals, if you will. Uh, on the one hand, we have a lot of academic researchers trying to understand uh, what, is, what, is the, uh, what is the art of the possible. These are people that are publishing novel work, uh, understanding how to use sensors to capture things that haven't been captured before. Okay. Uh, we have a lot of uh, pharma companies that are developing drug uh, products that uh, are interested in monitoring patients in ways that they haven't been monitored before in their uh, own environment, in their homes, etc. And uh, we're beginning to see the adoption of the sensors and the technology by hospitals as well okay. um, in the context of certain therapeutic treatments or certain um, uh, interventions. Okay. The company's mission statement says that you are developing this technology with the entire healthcare continuum in mind. Like, is that literal, or what do you mean by that? The entire healthcare continuum. So, so healthcare is a very complicated industry, yeah. uh, and it it 
um, encompasses a lot of different stakeholders. Mm -hmm. um, and if you think about where it begins and where it ends, uh, well, the lines are very blurry. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the power of our sensors and our technology is that um, we re really see people using them from the very early stages of discovery of a new drug, um, early stages of uh, uh, researchers understanding what um, the relationships are between, for example, um, heart uh, beat patterns and sleep or the early onset of certain diseases uh, as they manifest themselves in your uh, physiology. Um, and I can give some examples of this. Uh, uh, but uh, at the same time, the technology is applicable um, towards the uh, opposite end of the spectrum where um, uh, the practice of healthcare can benefit from doctors, physicians, having a relationship with patients that is different from the relationship that they have today, okay. whereby uh, it is a lot more objective. It is grounded on actual data that, that comes from a patient, not during a specific uh, test or once a year when you go see a doctor for a checkup, but kind of on an ongoing basis. Okay. And uh, what the company means by, by this continuum uh, is that the technology is applicable to both ends of that spectrum. Even, okay. you know, if you think about healthcare from the perspective of wellness um, before you're sick, or if you think of, of healthcare from the perspective of um, disease management, there are some diseases mm -hmm. that we don't have cures for today. And the best we can hope for is is that people find a way to manage the disease, manage the progressing of the disease, uh, try to maintain as good a quality of life as possible. Okay. And understanding how the disease is affecting you, either from a mood perspective, from a physical perspective, from a stamina perspective, okay. uh, is something that can be much better accomplished when you have data to really understand what's happening to you. Okay. Let's go now back to the technology behind these sensors. Like, unleash the engineer within you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. How exactly do they work, these sensors or this technology? Yeah, so we have different kinds of sensors, okay. and they don't all, all work the same way. Um, uh, one of the... Uh, uh, but the key aspect around everything that we do is this concept of um, biocompatible, uh, stretchable flexible electronics. Okay. This is at the root of what MC10 does, and it's um, really going back to the beginning of the of the company's uh, founding principles and, and, and the inception of the company. Um, we, we have um, a lot of intellectual property and a lot of know-how at the intersection of electronics, material science, and uh, data processing. So the technology that MC10 has is unique in that it uses um, very low power sensors. Uh, these are uh, accelerometers, these are optical sensors, these are uh, electrical sensors, and uh, th they need to be uh, packaged in a form factor that uh, is comfortable on the skin. Some people refer to this as electronic tattoos hmm. uh, or um, 
you know, the name actually captures a lot of this in, 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 in what we, we call it bio stamp. It's the stamp that you wear mm, okay. on, 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 your, on your body. Um, a lot of the work that we do is very multidisciplinary. So we have um, a lot of mechanical engineers that are looking to make the systems robust from a mechanical perspective, uh, durable. Uh, uh, but, but we also have uh, material scientists that need to figure out how do you take a piece of electronics uh, and cover it in a material that is soft. Okay. Uh, and and sometimes these these criteria from an engineering perspective are at opposite 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 ends of uh, of, uh, of of the requirements um, spectrum. Um, there's there's a lot of work um, around making this technology usable. Uh, if you think about the target demographic for our for our uh, technology, a lot of times. Um, it's easy to get carried away and think about uh, what is possible technologically speaking, but a lot of a lot of thought has to go into when you make the system. Um, uh, who's going to be using it? Mm. And so uh, we have designed all of our technology so that it's uh, connectionless. You don't have to worry about uh, plugging anything into anything else. Mm. Um, but even the interfaces and the data uh, and how the data transfers, we try to make that as passive and as seamless as possible. And and so, one of the things that makes the the work at MC10 so much fun from a uh, engineering and product development perspective is this multidisciplinary nature, uh, uh, where you're thinking materials one day, you're yeah. thinking uh, electronics the next day, and you're thinking uh, software and uh, interfaces the, mm. the, the next day. Let's talk about MC10, the company itself. Mm -hmm. How how was it put together? I mean, what's the story behind MC10? Uh, so you're hearing this uh, secondhand because I was not part of the. Yeah, uh, I know, but uh, but, but the, you know it very well. Yeah, so so MC10 is an interesting company. It, it, it was founded in 2008. Mm. Um, it, it was um, incubated from the very beginning by a venture capital firm. Uh, uh, Northbridge Ventures, who is still um, uh, uh, one of the leading investors in the company, and uh, uh, the, the 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 gentleman that um, served as the glue to put the founding team together, uh, Carmichael uh, Roberts, is still uh, the chairman of the board at MC10 today. Okay. Um, he um, started the company with the help of. John Rogers, who's the really the father of the field of uh, flexible and stretchable electronics. He's a material scientist, he's world-renowned, uh, he's received uh, numerous awards for a lot of pioneering work. He's, he's got something like 80 patents to his name oh. and probably more now. Hmm. Um, and uh, these two gentlemen, um, together with our uh, CTO uh, and uh, Senior VP of Corporate Development, um, who are now my colleagues, uh, started the company uh, with uh, with a, an idea of uh, how uh, stretchable electronics could change so many different things. Uh, uh, thinking early on about healthcare, but not only healthcare, many many other applications as mm -hmm. well. Um, and. Uh, very quickly, the company progressed through uh, a s series of uh, uh, 
fundraising episodes and mm -hmm. continue to develop the technology. Okay. Um, so that's basically the that's basically the story behind that. Yeah, uh, uh, some companies are started in a garage. Uh, yeah. Some companies are started by uh, a, a couple of uh, of people who have an idea and want to, yeah. you know, uh, create a prototype. M MC10 from the very beginning was founded with um, the vision of flexible electronics, um, but not not um, so much. In, in the traditional way, let me, as an entrepreneur, um, create a prototype and go out and see if I can get product market fit and then try to get some uh, some uh, funding for it. In the case of uh, biotechnology and uh, certain medical device companies, the capital requirements and the regulatory environment to take the company, to take, to take an idea and make it into a company uh, is such that you're really better off by starting uh, with a little bit more infrastructure and a little bit more support um, from the very beginning. And it's not that atypical to have venture capital firms that have a lot of experience hmm. assembling a team of people that have all the right skills and the right combination of uh, experience to uh, incubate, a pro incubate a project and then kind of launch it into yeah. into um, into its own uh, once it gets going into so. the world <laughs> exactly <laughs> what's I don't know how much you can talk about this but what's your strategy as a company like are you aiming to widen your user base mm -hmm. or are you on the contrary going to develop new technologies and leverage the existing users what's your strategy here how do you gain traction so, so the strategy has changed over time as the company has matured. In the very beginning, the technology was not as mature as it is today. And so we did a lot of work with um, with DARPA, the mm. Defense uh, Advanced Research uh, Projects Agency in the U.S. We did a lot of work with uh, Air Force Research Lab. And we did a lot of work with some um, technology development groups inside larger uh, corporate entities. Today, um, we're in a much different spot. We're looking to uh, unleash value and really get the technology into the market. Um, that does not mean that we are looking to grow the user base as much as possible. Um, if you think about wearables um, holistically, there's a lot of uh, there's been an explosion of devices in the consumer space um, and uh, a lot of people are using these devices to motivate themselves to go running or uh, sleep uh, better. These are products that are good uh, for the general population because mm -hmm. they, they create awareness and they, they, they make people more active. MC10 strategy is different. We're uh, singularly focused on clinical grade um, medically viable uh, technology that that can be deployed uh, against the most stringent um, use cases where we're looking to pick up on patterns and understand things um, in, in such a way that medical professionals can make decisions based on them uh, so we're working uh, as I said in the beginning we're working with pharmaceutical companies um, many of the 
top pharma companies are evaluating these types of uh, technologies and they're using uh, our systems. Um, and over the next uh, 12, 24 months, we should see much larger adoption of our of our systems in clinical trials, sometimes yeah. early stage, sometimes late stage. Um, th th that's a big market. A typical pharma company spends $800, $900 million today to, to go from... Uh, uh, early stage um, molecule development to a, a, a drug mm. product in the a pharmaceutical drug product in the marketplace, mm. um, and then uh, we're also looking to see which areas in healthcare services uh, we can have the most impact into. Uh, so um, here there are some specific conditions where we think our technology is uniquely suited to. Um, either improve outcomes um, uh, or uh, lower costs in the system or mm. a combination of both. Uh, so we're very focused on uh, orthopedic rehabilitation, rehabilitation of the uh, cardiac system after people go through uh, uh, heart surgery. Uh, we, we have um, done significant work with people that are trying to understand how to manage their um, Parkinson's disease uh, uh, so, th so the strategy is now to continue to focus on early stage uh, drug development, uh, servicing that market, and separately servicing the healthcare yeah. market in specific areas. Okay. There's um, a lot of people that uh, have questions about potentially using our technology for sports or for wellness or in other cases, and we've decided not to pursue that ourselves. Uh, the way we, we handle that is through uh, licensing agreements. So our technology can, can be uh, used in those applications and oftentimes um, we see a potential market for it, but we can't really do it all. And yeah. we've decided to focus on, on healthcare as a strategy. So sometimes people will license our, our technology or IP and they'll create a product. Mm. Um, L'Oreal is a good example of this. L'Oreal recently, launched a product called uh, My UV Patch, which um, uses um, photosensitive dyes um, to allow someone to understand the UV exposure that they've had uh, and hmm. um, be a little bit more sensitive about skin health. Uh, and um, L'Oreal does a lot of research around um, perspiration for uh, deodorant products and yep. Uh, cosmetic products, uh, but they also have uh, a huge, huge interest in uh, producing products that allow people to protect their, their skin. The skin. Jesus, the whole industry is bullish on the VR, AR, gaming. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you are looking into as a company? I mean, it's on your radar or? Yeah, so so again, so one of the things about our technology, it's a great, great uh, thing is, it can be a, a, applicable to so many different fields. Yeah. And as a startup, one of the most difficult things to do is to pick. You, you have to pick because you cannot do all, all, the, thing, all yeah. the things at the same time. So yes, there's overlap. There's a lot of potential applications. Um, VR, gaming. Uh, uh, we've decided not to actively pursue that internally but there are a lot of uh, uh, applications where um, a combination of VR um, 
and sensors uh, can be uh, can, can be can be used to create uh, this this kind of a closed loop feedback system where you're tr you're you're getting better at some task yeah. and that task could be golf or uh, swinging a bat uh, or that task could also be health related right it could be something like um, after I've had a stroke I want to improve my balance as I as I or I want to um, improve the symmetry of my gait. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunity here. There's some early work that researchers are doing. There's not a lot of products in the market yet, uh, but I think that'll come. And then on the consumer side, on the fun side of things, um, you know, interactive gaming, connected gaming, there's a lot of uh, room, um, for example, for uh, um, dynamically changing the difficulty in a video game, not based on just the progress that you're making, in that video game, but also based on your physiological response to uh, what's happening, right? Yeah. Um, or, you know, in the case of uh, some kind of a um, battling game where you're competing against someone, maybe seeing your opponent's heart rate or something like yeah. that. There's a lot of opportunity to, to do that. Mm. Uh, same thing with workouts. Uh, you know, I think if you're a competitive person, um, and and you're in a static bicycle. You could uh, you could and this this actually th there's some products in the market now that are mm. that are um, leveraging this this sort of thing. Uh, looking at uh, somebody else that you're not really working with physically, but working working out with uh, in a connected sense, right? Yeah. I think there's a lot of opportunities to to wow. to do interesting work there. You work in an industry that is going to bring tremendous changes to humanity. I mean, and, and the way we think about ourselves. I mean, there are people out there that are speaking openly about immortality. Um, Ray Kurzweil says that by the year 2040, 2050 maybe, we will be able to download the information in our brains to new bodies. Mm -hmm. Is this something that you think about at all? I mean, what's your take on all this? Yeah, so I've I've read a little bit about that. I've read read uh, the Age of the Spiritual Machines by Ray Kurzweil, and I'm very skeptical uh, personally. I, I mm. think um, I think that th there'll be tremendous progress uh, in our lifetimes beyond, but I don't think that uh, we're at a point where um, you know the the f the f radical leap uh, yeah. that uh, he's got what does he call this? Um, the uh, singularity. He calls singularity, it the singularity, yeah. right? Uh, I don't think that we'll see that in my lifetime or in your lifetime you or probably in our okay. chi in our in our children's lifetimes. Uh, I, I think we're still f very far away from that. There's there's a similar hype and mania, if you will, ar around uh, AI and machine learning and. AI, artificial intelligence, and, and machine learning, where people um, think that uh, we're going to be living in a world like Terminator, right? Where the machines are going to take over and they'll be uncon uncontrollable and humans will be somehow end up at the service of these machines. And I think there's some effects that are very real uh, around dislocations in the labor market where people, jobs that people are doing, 
um, are disappearing because we now have robots or we have uh, computers that can do all, all these things. Yep. Uh, that That is uh, a very real problem. I think that needs to connect into, um, you know, how we think about education and, and uh, both at the state level and then at the individual level. But, yeah. but I think this, this idea of transhumanism where uh, we're all going to be some mix of um, biological machines and cybernetic machines is very far away. You don't see that coming soon? I, 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 I think it may happen at some point in humanity's history, but not anytime soon. Yeah. You seem to be very passionate about what you do, but your background is aerospace engineering, right? Mm -hmm. So where does this passion come from for what you do now? Is this, what's the evolution? What's the story of Jesus Pindado working in this project? Yeah, so um, so this is a new field for me. Yeah. And I, uh, I think um, it's been a tremendous uh, learning opportunity. I've switched careers a few times. Yep. And I've, I, I think I've been very fortunate uh, to have always been involved in um, uh, cutting-edge technology through the arc of, of my uh, professional experience. Uh, I started in aerospace engineering, uh, very focused on um, developing avionics and control systems uh, for drones, well before drones were... Drones. <laughs> ma mainstream. Yeah. Um, now it seems like everybody has a drone in their yeah. house. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, uh, for me, the exp my educational experience was really just a jumping, uh, a platform from which to jump into uh, the professional world. And uh, I, I've been very lucky to have surrounded myself with much more people than me that I could look up to, that I could um, uh, learn from. Yep. And through hard work and uh, a lot of luck, uh, I've been able to always find uh, opportunities that were adjacent to the space that I was in, where uh, I found my interests uh, changing slightly over time, and I really just kind of followed um, what I, I, I thought was a combination of opportunity, foresight, and kind of testi testing myself at the same mm. time. Mm. Um, so I like to learn. I, I, I like to learn, and I've, I've gone from aerospace engineering to uh, uh, semiconductors uh, in the consumer electronics space. Uh, I've gone to uh, big data uh, analysis, and a lot of what I do now is, is really even more connected to to that uh, than it is to the sensors. We do both at MC10, uh, but um, my, my uh, one of the areas that I, I think I've had the most impact is in the in the area of uh, data analytics and putting systems together where all of the all of the data from the sensors can mm -hmm. be analyzed. So I'm I'm very passionate about um, understanding data information, putting models together. And that's something that's always been the case. Even back 10 years, 15 years ago, when I started in the aerospace industry, one of the things that I worked on 
that I enjoyed the most was telemetry systems. So understanding the health of the drone, if you yeah. will, right okay. through through data. Um, I think there's a thread that connects all of, all of these things together, but uh, but both technically, uh, but even kind of more fundamental than that is this idea of learning. I yeah. uh, I, I I always like to work with people that um, I learn from. So you are a VP of a very dynamic organization in a fast-moving uh, environment. Do you have like habits or routines that help you maintain your focus? I mean, it seems to be that could be very easy for you to lose like an end game focus, right? Mm -hmm. Is there something that you do to avoid that? Or a daily routine that you have? I don't know. Yeah. I, um, I think it's very important to, for me anyway, it's very mm. important to combine time alone uh, with time with others. Uh, and I think the biggest risk for me is to get caught up in a lot of meetings and discussions which are necessary uh, to always be reacting to um, a flood of email or uh, a lot of questions. Um, but, uh, but, but to have uh, clarity of mind and to feel like okay you know I, I really understand my priorities uh, one of the things that undeniably helps me is to get up early in the morning have some time to structure my day and think about uh, what do I want to get done today or, or this week um, and then um, I set myself some reminders at the beginning of each month um, on the first Saturday of the month I have a thing that pops up that says hey what do you want to do next month or you know take a step back and think about uh, things um, a little bit more long term because yeah. otherwise you forget yeah or I forget yeah you get dragged into the everyday yeah. minutiae of things right yeah so I think exercise helps uh, too uh, it's easy to postpone it it's it's easy to be caught in the moment and not want to switch tasks or or to think hey there's just a lot to do i don't have time yeah um and for me that's a bit of a struggle uh but i realize that i realize usually after the fact that whenever i go for a workout i go i like uh i like bike riding so i, I realize that after an exercise i feel better i think better and i very likely perform better but it's very difficult to always keep that in mind and to have the discipline to uh, to do what, at the moment, feels um, a waste of time. A waste of time, or <laughs> you don't have time for that. You know. Yeah. True. I, I'm sure you can empathize. Yeah, totally. How would you define success? Oh, let me rephrase that, or not rephrase. Ask in a different manner. What person encapsulates success for you? Hmm. So I think about success as uh, having things in balance. Um, and it's a very personal... Uh, success for one person is very different from another. If you ask me, um, I think success uh, involves a concept of um, relationships, uh, having durable, meaningful relationships in your life, um, 
again, something that is not always easy to keep in mind day to day uh, because, well, you know, your job is so important and, um, you know, you've, you've got a lot of things in your mind. But relationships, meaningful, m meaningful, durable relationships with your family, friends, um, mentors, colleagues. Yep. Um, I think uh, kind of a lifelong uh, uh, sense of learning and personal development. And that uh, could be intellectual, but it doesn't have to be only intellectual. Certainly for, for me, it is, right? So learning um, and feeling like you understand the world and things that are so interesting about the times that we live in and so on. So ha having a, a passion for learning and developing some kind of a sense of accomplishment uh, in connection with, with that effort to, yeah. to learn to learn something. I think financial success is important. Uh, for me, certainly it has been and some of the decisions that I've um made in my life have been connected with um, economic opportunity and upside and um, you know working uh, in in startups throughout my uh, career uh, has always has always been a combination of, of these things right learning and being able to influence things but at the same time um, a perception that there's more upside if you can create something that's unique that doesn't exist yet that um, people society will will mm. will 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 adopt um and i i guess at some point uh if if all of these things come into play uh you you that there's a, a sense of giving something back um mm. and so you asked who well it may be cliche but i think of people that i don't know uh but that i, I you know everybody sees in the news mark zuckerberg bill gates these are people that are kind of in my industry that are uh trailblazers that that have created something new uh that uh saw a lot of uh, uh adoption change the world in in many significant ways i can't speak to their uh uh, relationships or the quality of of uh, the bonds, but but I get a sense from some of the folks that I see out there that you know they're doing this. They have um, they, it, it, they they have a, a path where they're they're building something that is a company or whatever. But then at some point um, they they give back, right? And I think that's uh, commendable. I think. Uh, in Spain, there's not as much of a tradition of philanthropy as um, as perhaps in the U.S., and um, I, f I find that uh, interesting, hmm. uh, to say the least. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Could be anything, business, personal, investments, whatever. Hmm. Uh, maybe I'll... Maybe I'll respond with two. Two, okay. Uh, I think perhaps from my dad um, to always have a plan and a mission in life. Understood very broadly um, to think about where you want to be. I think 
people's lives would be a lot better if everybody kind of thought about this question more than they do. So that's one. And the other one is very practical um, from a, from a, a, a boss. Uh, start your day very early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic. Yeah. Has there been a book or a film or something of that sort that has impacted substantially the way you perceive life? Or the way you see life, or yeah. So um, we, uh, I think uh, if I ha there's probably been many, uh, but if I had to pick one, uh, the the one that comes to mind is um, "Fooled by Randomness" by uh, by Nassim Taleb, uh, who's written a number of other books, but "Fooled by Randomness" was something that. I've internalized and I've thought about uh, also as I've read other similar material about the role of luck and skill and how hard it is to attribute causal effects to mm. outcomes. Um, so um, I think the idea that... Uh, um, and this is kind of paradoxical in me because I, I think that we're very much... Uh, the owners of our destiny <laughs> that that uh, you should um, have a plan that that if you work hard you'll uh, eventually see some rewards out of that uh, work yeah. uh, but the truth is there's a lot of things that are so for people that might not know what is the essence of this book what is the main idea I think the the key idea is um, there there is a lot of elements of randomness that are built into the fabric of our everyday life and and it's impossible to distinguish really what is luck from what is skill uh, in attributing success to anything yeah. um, you know taleb uh, uh comes from a uh, the financial trading world, and he's uh, he's he's kind of articulated his ideas um, around banking and um, especially central banks and how you know policy po policy decisions are made and and how a lot of times those decisions are uh, ill conceived and not necessarily um, yielding the outcomes that we think they should or having a lot of uh, uh, negative effects that are not yeah. very easily perceivable, right? But but I think his idea uh, is, and, and he's also discussed this in, uh, in other contexts, is, is very uh, applicable to anything. Yep. Uh, he's, he's not the only person that I've seen articulating this, right? So yeah. mm. where you're born, um, your genetics... Uh, there's there's a lot of uh, things that dictates dictates where w your your path in life that you've sure. nothing to do with. Yeah. What's been your greatest failure in life? Is this something in life? In life, yeah, from the very beginning, from moment one, moment zero. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nothing that you can think about. Uh, I mean, there's many failures. Yeah. I just don't know which one is the biggest one. Okay. <laughs> uh, what are you most grateful for then? Uh, That's easier. Yeah, I'm. I'm so grateful. 
I'm very grateful for uh, the education that I had. I, I think. Um, Where did you go to school? So I started a school, elementary school and high school in Spain, and then I moved to the U.S. Uh, midway through high school uh, because of personal circumstances and and, and family uh, circumstances. But um, I think I think it was a tremendous opportunity, mm. and. Uh, I was able to make something out of it, but I feel very blessed that um, uh, uh, you know. From from there, I went to school in uh, Michigan, University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, and I've just met a lot of great people, yeah. um, mentors, professors. Um, how I how I ended up um, transitioning from uh university into the professional uh world was through the help of a professor of mine uh that ran a, an internship uh program with industry uh Alec Gallimore and I applied you know I wrote a I wrote an essay and uh, this this great uh, professor connected me with the person that became my first boss initially for an internship and eventually for a for a full-time position mm. so I think um, I, I feel very grateful for pr primarily for the education that I've received and the opportunities that I've had uh, in, in connection with kind of professional development. Really, uh, th there's a lot more to be grateful for. I mean, I I, uh, I feel very grateful for the stability and the structure that uh, my wife brings to my life. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times I'd be a much more chaotic person if if it weren't for her um i've, I've uh, had a couple of uh uh situations in life where i caught um i caught a break and it was yeah just mm. randomness yeah so. <laughs> what advice would you give to your how old are you now almost 40 right 39 yeah 39 what advice would you give to your 20 year old self Hmm. Pro probably to uh, maybe a little paradoxical I would say don't worry about us don't worry about um, picking the right thing uh, uh, or or um, planning too far ahead uh, that that would be uh, something that I think would have been useful in certain situations uh but i think more importantly uh maybe just take time and this is for maybe a little paradoxical take time to to um be a little bit more introspective and reflect on um what are the important things yeah uh i think uh i think having a a sense of um inner peace and calm uh, when you're 20, 22, 23, 25 uh, can lead to uh, just better mental states and better decision-making. Um, for sure. Yeah. So with that, Jesus, thank you very much for coming over, man. And thank you for your time. And I wish you the best. Okay. Thank you very much. Take care, man. Thank you.